0: One summer my family went camping in the Wind Rivers. As we left our site to do some hiking we passed a group of scruffy young guys packing up. I remember one of them smearing mud on the license plates of their trucks. As we hiking along we carried trash bags to pick up litter along the trail. A mile and we started finding bits of burned clothing. The bits grew more numerous as we went up the trail. It became clear that we were picking up white long underwear, drab green pants or shirt, and bits of a bra. We followed the bits off the trail and to a recently abandoned campsite. There had been four small tents set up around it. The clothing that we had been finding clearly came from that fire, which was still smoldering. In fact, the fire pit was a mass of burned something. The area had a feeling associated with it. It made you feel alone, it made your skin crawl. We continued our hike, all the time talking about the oddness of the site. On our return to the trial head we ran into a dozen forest rangers preparing to ride horses up the trail. They questioned us, had we seen a female forest ranger? She hadn't been seen since the day before. This past March I went on a road trip with my then boyfriend. We started in Portland and headed towards Northern California. After a few days of exploring in Northern and Central Oregon, we decided to find a camping spot before it got dark. We were in the middle of the Deschutes National Forest and it was snowing heavily. I'd say off to the side of the road had about nine feet of snow build up. So we decide to just pull off and camp a couple hundred feet from the highway. After stomping down a path in the nine feet snow bank we start building the tent. It starts getting dark so we're trying to pick up the pace, then my ex's dog starts whimpering and she refuses to go back to the car with us to get more supplies. We stay to figure out why she's freaking out and about 10 seconds later a 100-foot tree cracks and falls right across the path I had stomped out. The same one we were about to walk down. We were astounded that she had that intuition and after that decided to curl up in the tent and just cuddle with each other for the night. Hands down the most eerie experience I've ever had. Nearly 20 years ago, my best friend and I were camping with my family. A place we had both basically grown up at, so we knew the location quite well. Anyhow, being the delinquents we were, we both left the campsite around midnight one am to smoke a joint. We walked 5 minutes to a park that was on the ocean, with a dense forest jutting up against it. We are on the beach when we finish smoking, and are enjoying the stars for a few minutes when we both notice something about 150 feet up the beach along the forest trail. I still have a hard time describing what we saw. Approximately six orbs of light appear on the trail, which runs parallel to the beach. They form in a horizontal line and start moving towards us. These lights are orbs, and unlike a flashlight, they do not project any light no beams like a flashlight no area like a candle none of the trees nearby lit up they were more of a white light rather than the orange of a candle upon them moving towards us we are both filled with an immediate sense of dread and decide we're not sticking around we hightail it out of there my friend glanced over while we were running perpendicular to the location and he insists he saw them form a circle and hover down to the ground. Upon discussing it for a bit, we go back armed with weapons and flashlights to see and there is nothing to note. I have to iterate that this was not in a location where fireflies reside, and even if there was a human element behind these lights, they were moving towards us at a pace people couldn't possibly move through a wooded forest in pitch dark. I'm in my thirties now with a family, and whenever I see my friend, we still talk about it and shake our heads just trying to explain it. What are your thoughts? I was on a hunting trip with my grandparents in very remote Idaho. We were deep in the mountains, at a place only accessible by an ATV or by walking. You couldn't drive there. I think we were about 100 yards from the quads and about 10 miles from the nearest trail a truck could drive on. We were all sitting around the fire in the evening talking about our day when we heard a noise behind us. We turned to look, and there was a man with his pack and rifle coming up the mountain towards us. Our first thought was he got lost. This happens from time to time. We figured we could give him a map or a ride back to camp if needed. We watched him come into camp, smile and say hello, grab the half-empty box of Keystone near the cooler, turn around and go back down the mountain. No explanation or anything. We figured that if he needed beer that bad we should just let him have it. (coughs) Camping in Australia. I used to go out into the bush a lot by myself, longest I did was a week straight. I'd go into a reserve with whatever I could fit in my backpack and sleep under the stars in my swag. I'd usually find kangaroo sleeping grounds because they'd invariably be the softest places that were trampled down the best, tip, if you do this, make sure you separate yourself from the ground because of ticks, a simple tarp under you does the trick. The best times was when if you stayed really still you'd wake up surrounded by ruse in the early morning anyway my girlfriend of the time decided that we should get away together and because i liked camping i could take her out i decided that my hikes were a little rough for a beginner so we went on a road trip down south pemberton deciding to stop at campaign grounds along the way we stayed at one or two grounds that were totally hemogenized We basically camped on lawn next to a stream next to a highway the first few nights the fourth night we found a ground that was a little further into nature we drove two hours down a dirt track along the way there were wood signs with the cute names of the campgrounds blossom site eucalypt ups down etc every site we'd gone by was taken and it was going to get dark soon so we thought of turning back and renting a hotel room when we came across a site that was open. It was called simply goblins. We took out gear and headed off into the bush. We hiked for about 30 minutes down into a gully and back up again. The hiking trail was way overgrown. We eventually got to the campsite. It was overgrown with ferns, there was a dilapidated old stone building with plants growing through its front doors rusty iron bars, the place obviously hadn't seen a human in years. There was a sign saying closed, please proceed back to road. There was a stream running nearby with a crumbling edge accompanied by a chorus of frogs. I figured that the stream was eroding its bank and the forestry people didn't want any accidents out here. So that's why they would closed the campground. Well, it was getting pretty dark. So we decided screw it. Let's set up our tents and eat some dinner. We cleared most of the site with my machete. It was all ferns that we chopped back and laid flat then I got a fire going while my GF set up the tent. This forest was like nothing I'd camped in before. Where I am from we had gum trees, just think your typical Australian tree. The trees in Pemberton are all massive, easily over 50 meters, biggest ones are 80 plus, standing near these you feel like you have been shrunk down in size and are wandering in some type of fairy land. The outside air has a cold bite to it and the night is still. Sitting down to dinner, I start to get a strange feeling that I'd never gotten camping before. Not quite being watched, but more like I was in something else's territory. Having camped with ruse I knew that usually you'd have to look for conscious signs of other animals to figure out what belonged to who, scratchings, trampled bedding, scat etc after a while you don't have to look so hard and just spot the signs. When I was setting up camp I didn't see anything, and I couldn't recall anything that showed there were animals nearby. I tried to keep some light banner on to not scare my GF, I avoided the usual scary camp initiation stories that I would tell when taking someone into the bush for the first time while trying to puzzle out what the feeling was. Outside of the pitiful glow of the little campfire it was pitch black. My girlfriend said I'm feeling spooked, is it always like this? I admitted that it didn't. As if being conducted every single frog went silent at once. We heard something out there in the bush. I know what ruse sound like and it wasn't that. It was a loud crash, it sounded like a tree being pushed over, and then lots of little independent footsteps crushing the foliage and leaves. I said maybe a tree fell and the local possum scampered. Silence. The frogs started up again. I loaded up the fire and we retired into our tent. Multiple times during the night we heard footsteps in the foliage and then the sound of lots of small crashes, like lots of small somethings being thrown from the top of one of the massive trees, always preceded by the frogs going silent. At first the sounds were randomly off in an easterly direction, moving slightly north, slightly south but always coming closer. After the fire had died down I heard the sound just outside our campsite. Now that it was closer I could hear it better. The loud walking, like something taking big steps and crushing foliage, a kind of repeated padding sound like someone slapping their plam against the trunk of a tree then the sound of things falling out of the tree from above, whatever it was, paused. I almost went outside with my flashlight and machete but my girlfriend grabbed me tightly and I felt shaking her head no into my shoulder. After what seemed like an eternity we heard it go north and then west, it continued doing whatever it had been previously doing, but now it was circling our tent. A few times during the night we heard the sounds come very close, Definitely inside the circle we had cleared for the tent. When the sun came up in the morning we got out of the tent. Our entire campsite was covered in gum nuts. They hadn't been there the night before, we had laid all the ferns flat so nothing was on top of them. Not a single nut was on our tent, they were all spaced about 2 meters away and absolutely covered the ground. They looked like they had been arranged. We decided to hightail it out of there. Coming up with theories in the car, we thought maybe the nuts might have hit the tent and then bounced off and therefore the equal distribution around the tent, but we hadn't heard a single nut hit our tent during the night, and trust me, neither one of us slept a wink. And how does that explain the crashing footsteps, and why did the frogs stop singing every time? I think it's the only time I've had that feeling while camping, and if I ever get it again I'm not going to stay. I can't find logical explanations for what happened without thinking that something with intelligence and an alien purpose came within the boundary of human marked territory white out any fear that night. My first time intending to go back country camping we headed to Ohio and we picked an intentionally unglamorous trail to avoid running into people on the holiday weekend, Labor Day, but still ran into a few more than we'd hoped. Still, after making it six miles up the trail, one of the unreserved NFS camping sites looked better than backcountry spots, but as we settled in some dudes showed up and were hovering around our site for a while. There were technically at least two sites so this wasn't really a problem but the way they were carrying themselves seemed off. They didn't have backpacking packs, just regular Jansport bags and it didn't seem like enough volume to be carrying supplies to stay the night. It was pretty late, and at least 4 miles either up or down the trail under pretty steep canyon switchbacks to get to a trailhead, but they were just wearing sneakers. They didn't really make conversation and just sat and ate their packed sandwiches, hovered some more and then asked us if we were planning on staying, which by the half-assembled tent should have been obvious. They eventually collected their things and left as it was getting pretty dark, but they didn't take out any flashlights. Being pretty new to camping and having our own new tent to assemble and food prep to worry about we were just glad they'd gone up over the ridge and we'd likely be alone for the night. There was a fire pit which helped distract us from the crazy number of flies coming from the nearby stream and it wasn't that late when we decided to turn in. The 6 mile, much hillier than expected hike combined with flies from the stream made stretching out in the tent quite appealing. Even though it was not much past 9, it was pitch black with the new moon. The weather was nice and clear. No clouds and we didn't need the rain fly and thus our Marmot 3P gives you almost totally open view of the sky through the Microtech mesh or whatever it's called. We stared up at the starts and you could see so many more constellations away from LA, a bit of the haze of the Milky Way. And all around it had been a successful last minute camping trip, but despite being exhausted from the hike I was having trouble sleeping. An empty feeling stomach from hiking rations. Critters rustling the dead grass, and the discovery that my new headlamp gave me vision on the exact location of each and every one of the sparkly eyeballs of the hundreds of spiders sprinkled around the tent were making it hard to fall back asleep. I doze off for a bit, then have one of those hyper-realistic, temporal-relevant dreams where you think you just woke up and I see somebody pacing the perimeter of our campsite. I freeze plan my next action and then a cartoonishly large wild boar barges into the campsite, scares the person away, turns towards me and I realize it's a dream. Heart racing it takes me even longer to fall back asleep. I have a couple more dreams. Someone wakes me up to bring me food. Someone found better bug spray. Someone found live ashes in the fire we definitely put out. Then eventually a really long dream but not from the campsite and it's about a time I almost got mugged back in my hometown of Baltimore. I start awake again and I'm getting really frustrated. It felt like I hadn't gotten any sleep at all. It was going to be a long hike back, and I had gotten overtired on the way out and I was legitimately worried about slipping going back down the canyon trails that would be more precarious to pick our way back down with all the gear than they had been to hike up my boyfriend was asleep, and had been adamant about not taking a hundred pictures and being present in the moment, which I get, but I snuck out my phone just check the time. Took forever to power back on, no signal, not surprising, and holy crap. It's not even eleven. I'm both relieved to have plenty of time to sleep and annoyed that after struggling to sleep through so many dreams it's so early. I toss and turn some more and eventually just settle in and stare at the new stars coming up over the ridge. I doze off again. Who knows how long later I wake up to a loud metal click. It's impossibly bright, but not morning. Up on the ridge there's a bright white torch that's illuminating my whole tent. Boyfriend is still asleep. I freeze and assess. No one moves and I hold in place long enough to be sure it's not a dream. Someone is definitely standing on the ridge shining a daylight-style flashlight on us. I question the critter rustling, and the dreams about the people moving around the camp. I try to wake my boyfriend quietly so we can decide what to do, and as soon as he's half-awake he starts against the bright light. I manage to shush him before he gets louder and we commence to whispering about what's going on and what to do. Is it those guys? I check my phone. No signal. And it's not even midnight. They could definitely just be on the way back? But why so late? Why just stand there shining their light on our tent, blinding us, creating this massive five-pointed star-type lens flare-type effect through the tech fabric? Eventually, we decide the only thing we can do to break the standoff is get out of the tent and show them we're awake. Maybe they'll move along like last time, or at least we won't be ambushed trapped inside the tiny tent and we'll be able to run. My boyfriend grabs the shovel slash mallet tool now combination poo shoveling, tent construction, drifter attacking implement, and I put on my shoes. We quietly unzip the tent and as the flap pushes back the lights start shimmering then the flare disappears. It is replaced by the moon. Turns out it wasn't a new moon. We just gone to sleep so early it hadn't risen yet and we were so close to the base of the ridge and under a live oak canopy that reduced visibility of what would have been very high contrast moon shadows. The moon was full and was staggeringly bright and it would have been obvious it was the moon, but the new tech fabric of the tent resembled a dragonfly eye. It's green slash gold slash orange and changes color depending on the direction you look at it from. We laughed, went back to sleep. I still had a crappy night's sleep, but the remainder of the trip was uneventful packing up to leave i saw that my phone that i'd pulled out was totally in the path of the sleeping bag zipper and next to my ear could easily have been the loud click waking me up as i rolled over the same tent has served us well in joshua tree but now i know to disregard the distortions of the tent fabric and do my high fidelity star gazing before turning in for the night I went solo hiking in the Guadalupe Mountains, West Texas. After a 3000 feet climb I stopped and set up camp just on the edge of a ridge top clearing and ate dinner. Now it's dusk. I'm lounging, reclined on my sleeping pad, watching the first stars come out, not a care in the world. Until suddenly, with absolute certainty, I feel I'm being watched. The 21st century part of brain tries to reason it away. The reptilian part tells me to head back to my tent. As I walk across the clearing, I begin to hear something not small coming through the shadowy undergrowth. I think maybe it doesn't know I'm here, but we'll head off if it does. I yell, it keeps coming great. So it's large and doesn't give a flying F I'm here. I play my flashlight across the forest until I see a pair of eyes. And a second pair of eyes, closer together and nearer the ground. About fifteen feet away. Bear and cub. I dive in my tent. And the pair come closer, so close I can hear the individual crackle of snot and spittle when the mother breathes out and snorts, now probably five feet away. I'm convinced I'm a dead man and decide to tap out a final message to my mom in the notes app of my phone. I love you. What I figured out later is the pair were after my food bag a couple hundred feet further on. But the ridge was so steeply sided they basically had to pass through my campsite, situated on the only flat bit of land. It is an elemental, humbling feeling when you're suddenly not on the top rung of the food chain ladder. When I was about 14 I was hunting with my dad and brothers. My oldest brother already had a deer hanging and we were settling into our tent for the night. At one point during the night something started making a bunch of noise outside. A group down the road from us had a few dogs so we just assumed that's what it was. At one point it was literally rubbing against our tent so my dad decided to elbow it as hard as he could it took off and we went back to sleep in the morning my brother's deer was gone the area around the tree it was hanging from and our tent was covered in bare tracks flash forward about five years i'm elk hunting with my uncle and some of his friends one of the days i went on a hunt with his buddy tyler tyler gets an elk down about 30 minutes before dark we get over to it and as we are cleaning it we start hearing wolves howl in the distance, slowly getting closer. Every minute that passes the smell of death gets thicker, the sky gets darker, and the wolves get closer. It's dark now. All I can see is what's directly in the beam of my mini maglite and Tyler's hat bill light as he works on the elk as fast as he can while I keep a watch on the wolves. We are surrounded. I don't know how many there are. Feels like dozens, it was probably only a few. I can hear them running circles around us and yelping back and forth at each other, occasionally I get sight of them in the light and then they are gone. Every once in a while, one would get brave and dart in within a few yards and try snagging a piece of the elk. Finally the elk is cleaned and we have what we call the scent circle around the carcass to keep it as safe as possible. Now all that was left was a 3 mile hike back to camp, completely covered in blood and being trailed by wolves. By far the most horrifying experience of my life. My university friends and I had a great little spot in an old abandoned quarry where we would have bonfires. The trees had grown in and made it more forest than quarry. But it provided lots of rocky spots for fire pits and seating, and lots of firewood. We knew that area like the back of our hand, and it became ours. We bought axes and saws and we made a more clear path. When the heavy snow fell, we knew which trees had just fallen. When we played paintball there we knew every route and shortcut. It was a gorgeous little location, a little cliff overlooking a pond and a waterfall all surrounded by hills, and an uninterrupted view of the night sky. One night we were out. It wasn't the full group, actually. Most were away. It was just I and one male friend setting up, though we expected upwards of 20 people. We were nearly ready and the sun was well down and people had arrived when we found the camp. Somebody had been living in the quarry, they had a rain catcher, their belongings, a lean-to, the whole nine yards, maybe half a kilometer away from our campsite. Always wondered about that. We didn't see him that night, but we did hear some rustling in the bushes. Nobody felt like going to check. I was camping in a county park north of Washington, D.C. with my parents. I slept in and when I woke up, my parents were at the campground office to pay or so. I heard footsteps on the gravel surrounding my tent, and someone pulling the zipper on my dad's tent. I first thought it was my dad but it somehow didn't sound like him. Scared that they might open my tent next, I yawned loudly stretched my arms so the tent would shake a bit and just made some cliché wake-up noises until I heard their footsteps as they were running away. Apparently, the county parks in the area have major issues with gangs robbing their guests. Oh, and a few days earlier, the bear-proof bin in Shenandoah National Park next to our tents were opened by a bear during the night and when I went to the bathroom the next morning, I saw two skunks eating the rubbish, which was cool. This is my friend's story, but since I was there and partially involved, I'm going to tell it anyway, he might actually see this. This seems like a post he would read. So a couple of buddies of mine, I'll call the Redditor Luis and the other one Ned. We hiked part of the long trail in Vermont last July, and this occurred near Brandon Gap. After a day of hiking, we came up to a cabin, which was already full of people. Being the antisocial people that we are, we decided to find another campsite. Fast forward a couple hours, and it's almost night, and we haven't found a campsite yet, so are forced to clear off some of the debris beside the trail and put our tents down there, very uncomfortable. Ned and I fall asleep pretty quick, but Luis wasn't so lucky. He is in a really crappy spot and stays awake trying to move the sticks and rocks under his tent. Anyway, according to Luis, this occurred at around midnight or 1 AM. As he is shifting around in his tent, he realizes that the forest has gone silent. No animals crunching leaves, no crickets, no more of the omnipresent insect buzzing. It was an unsettling silence, like the forest was holding its breath. So, Like all the other forest creatures, he stops moving and went quiet too. And that's when he started to hear breathing, deep, low breaths coming from the trail. He was very clear that he heard no footsteps or crunching leaves slash sticks. It stopped by his tent and started to circle our little camp. At this point, Luis was terrified. He had no idea what was out there in the dark. All he could do is stay silent and listen as the breathing slowly circled our tents for around 20 minutes, pausing by his tent each time. His fear kept him quiet. This is where I get involved. I talk in my sleep a lot, and have been known to say slash do some crazy things, different stories, but it's worth noting that it's not unusual for me to talk in my sleep. Anyway, according to Luis. Right as the breathing passed my tent I said, whoa, there's something really cool in my tent. And right afterwards, the breathing stopped, and the forest sounds resumed, and the insects started buzzing again. Luis, still scared, waited about an hour before waking me and net up with his whispered yells, and told me what I have just told you. went on a hiking-slash-camping trip with a couple buddies in Yellowstone. One day we were hiking and accidentally got on an animal trail. The sun was starting to set and we were miles from our car so we found a nice little clearing and made camp for the night. I was paranoid about running into a bear and talked about it several times a day, so I convinced my buddies to hide our food in a tree about 100 feet from our tent. About 4 AM that night I woke up and heard a large animal very close to the tent. I woke up my friends and told them there was a bear. You could tell the animal was massive from its footsteps, the snapping of twigs beneath it, the sound it made brushing by plants. My friends were now convinced it was a bear and we all started to panic. Then the tent started to move. The animal slowly pushed in on the walls of the tent reaffirming its huge size. We stared at each other paralyzed with fear when we heard the creature's horrifying yell, Mo! It was a damn cow! The clearing we camped on was part of a guy's farm we wandered onto. My friends still make fun of me for it to this day. One of my long-time best friends and I had a tradition to meet somewhere and go camping every New Year's. We went to one of our favorite places and were walking around trails we had walked for years in the dense woods around a lake shortly after sunrise chatting about life, plans, catching up. A lake around sunrise is one of the most peaceful, quiet, and calming things when it's really cold. No birds, bugs, or animals are even making rustling noises. We are enjoying this peaceful chat with a hike and then we hear some twigs snapping. Weird, there weren't any cars parked at the lot when we got here last night. Must be a deer or something. We kept walking for a few yards then heard it again. We looked around, saw a figure over six feet tall, dark in color, built like a bear, While squinting to see through the thick woods we only had a pocket knife and a small sheathed knife and this was horrifying to see we kept slowly walking to not show panic while keeping an eye on the figure which was now following us at a distance of 10 to 20 yards and was becoming more visible after a few minutes of trying to keep our cool not go into a panic run and get back to our campsite we find a deer It was a large buck that was ripped into two halves with fresh blood all over the trail and scattered meat around the trail. We kept walking for another minute, which felt like an hour, then bolted when we looked back, didn't see or hear the large figure in the woods, and bolted back to our campsite. We packed up in a hurry, found a park ranger, and all he said was there were rumors of various predators that were being seen in the area for the first time in decades but didn't have any confirmed sightings or prints. I never figured out what that was in the woods. I was camping in a national park once late in the camping season. There weren't that many people in the park to begin with, and the campsites were pretty spread out so you really didn't see anyone else much. One night though, I woke up and it was obvious the campfire was brightly lit up, the tent flaps were closed but I could see the light and hear the fire. I could have sworn I had poured water on the fire before I went to bed, so I got scared, and I heard someone walking around the campfire. I didn't dare open my tent flap, I pretended to lay silently hoping whoever it was would go away. Eventually that person did put the fire out and walk away but that was probably the scariest experience of my life. Luckily I had my dog in the tent with me, although I doubt she would have been much help if anything did happen. A few years ago, I went on a solo three-day backpacking trip in a national forest. I left work early on Friday, grabbed my gear, and headed out on the three-hour drive to the trailhead. It was March, But a storm had brought in a warm front and it had rained very hard for much of the day but luckily it was down to a light drizzle when I arrived around 1800. Due to the temperature change and the mist it was very foggy with lots of low-lying clouds. I strapped on my pack and hit the trail so I could cover as much ground as possible that day. Plus, I already had a campsite location picked out that I had been to before. As it got darker, The mist and fog seemed to grow thicker. Maybe 30 minutes before dark while hiking up the first mountain, my planned campsite at the top, through the fog I saw a tent a few meters off the trail. It had two camp chairs in front but it looked a little disheveled. I always try to keep to myself when in the wilderness and want other people to do the same. So, I didn't look very closely and planned to hike by with the assumption that they had already sacked out. Or, maybe we're side hiking somewhere. However, I started getting that twitchy feeling at the base of my neck. A general uneasiness that something was not right here. At first, I ignored it and just blamed it on the creepy weather slash circumstances. It intensified as I got even with the tent and grew immensely as I passed it and it was behind me. I think this is the only time in my life that I've had an instinctual feeling that something was not right at my core. I gave the tent a good look over my shoulder and saw it was unzipped and something laying in the floor. After trying to ignore it I finally decided that something was definitely wrong and if someone was hurt then I might be the only one to pass by for days. They could die if I didn't check it out. So, adrenaline flowing freely and with great apprehension, I stopped turned, and softly said hello? No response. A little louder I said hey, is there anyone there? Nothing. Basically yelling, I said hello. One more time but still no answer. With nerves screaming, I slowly approached the tent while still trying to look every direction at the same time out of fear of someone watching or waiting. When I got close enough to see through the mist in the near twilight, I saw a sleeping bag partially wadded up in the floor of the tent along with a red-slash-green-slash-black plaid long sleeve shirt and a pair of men's white brief underwear, curled down at the leg holes, that I'm pretty sure had poo stains in them. All of this was soaking wet with a considerable amount of water sitting in the bottom of the tent as well. One of the tent poles was broken and the roof was sagging in due to pooled water. I didn't know quite what to make of this but everything I previously felt about something being wrong doubled when I saw the state of the tent and its contents. Now that I knew there was no one there I felt my obligations as a potential passing good Samaritan were fulfilled so I continued on my hike. But, I was sure not camping one kilometer away where I had originally planned to. I was putting a lot of distance between that site and me. So thoroughly freaked about what may or may not have happened at that tent. I continued hiking. When I reached the top of that mountain I saw two tents off in the mist. Curious if they knew anything about the scene I had recently passed, I called out hello? There was a slight rustling that I assume was someone rolling over in their sleeping bag in the tent closest to me but no reply. At this point, My nerves were raw and I couldn't take the suspense so I decided F this, I'm out of here. I continued my hike with extreme zeal, into the dark, through the misting rain, into the clouds at the peak of each mountain, with only the dim light of my 80 lumen headlamp for another 10 kilometers before I finally decided that I was far enough away that hopefully I'd be safe. Imagine hiking for hours in the dark slash rain with visibility of a few meters after that experience. It was unsettling. For better or worse, I was trying ultra-lightweight camping so I didn't even have a tent to protect me from the boogeymen lurking out in the dark damp forest. So, I strung a tarp between two trees and laid down on the ground for a night of very restless sleep. I slept on my back, headlamp fixed to my head just in case, and my handgun resting on my chest in its holster. In addition to this day being one of the only times I've felt a deep-seat instinctual fear that something is wrong, it's also the only time that i praised our Lord and Savior, the flying spaghetti monster, that I carried a firearm for fear that it may be needed. Luckily, nothing too creepy happened that night. So long as you don't count needing to pee at 3 AM when you're pretty sure you witnessed a murder slash rape slash kidnapping scene a few kilometers back. But, urination happened and I was not murdered. I continued my trip and nothing eventful occurred for the rest of it. Except that I didn't see a single other person. But, with the storm and the time of the year I suppose that wasn't too surprising. When I got out. I talked to a USFS ranger and told him about what I'd seen and he said he'd check it out. Not sure if that ever happened or not, I never called to check on it. So, hopefully it was just some drunk kids who shat their pants, got caught in a deluge, and abandoned camp. Surely that's it, right? Man, retelling this story is raising the hair on the back of my neck and giving me the all-around gibbly gibblies. That was some creepy stuff. So this happened to me over the past summer. Me and a friend were hiking into the woods on the far side of a local mountain. We were basically bushwalking for a couple hours. There were no trail maps for over here. Anyways, at a certain point we found an old alpine patrol road and followed it. When we came around the corner, my friend stopped me, and pointed ahead. Off the side of the trail was a camouflage tarp set up with some old camping equipment underneath. Being the dumb teenagers we were, we got closer to check out the abandoned site. Whoever had lived there was obviously a slob. They had left some nice hiking shoes behind, but also tons of garbage, wrappers, containers, and... Orange peels? Thus was the first thing to tip us off that something was not right. Any organic food should have decomposed if this camp was as old as we thought. As this was setting in, my friend turned to me with a carton of juice in his hand. This doesn't expire until next year. Now we were seeing all the signs. There was a cooler on the ground, and kitchen pots that were still shiny. There was a trail to the slope that we could see had human poo dumped down it. This camp wasn't abandoned at all. Once it really clicked, we got out of there fast. We never saw anyone, but for all we know they were watching our every move. The really scary thing about that is that you just don't know what kind of person owns that camp. They could have been a kindly hermit, or they could have stabbed us and eaten our flesh. I'm glad we didn't stick around to find out. I was camping while making El Camino de Santiago. I had to go back home one day and the bus that took me there left at 10 AM in Bilbao, and I was like 4 hours away from there. So I thought about waking up really early, 5 AM walk two hours to a town nearby and catch a bus there to Bilbao. And let me tell you, it wasn't the most fun thing to walk around the forests in Cantabria at night. But I could deal with it, barely. Until I saw some kind of creepy building structure and I'm like okay, that must be cause the town is nearby. I kept walking towards it and figure out it was a cemetery. Okay, cool, not a problem it's just a cemetery. Don't worry. I said out loud as I sped up my pace and as I'm making it past, I heard like some faint sound of steps, but not quite human steps. And as I turned around, I heard a loud breathing noise. It sent me the biggest chill down my spine as I pointed my flashlight to the sound met with a large dumb face of a horse. For some reason. A barn was right beside that cemetery. I almost peed myself, and I had to sit down to recover. I'm telling you, that jump scare took like five years off my life. There is a very long gravel road about 100 yards from my house. I lived in a decently populated neighborhood that is in front of 400 acres of untouched woods. When I was 16 myself and a few friends decided to walk all the way down the gravel road. We walked about a mile and a half and that was the furthest I had ever wandered. We came across the most creepy, battered, rusty barn. The barn also had a few small buildings around it making us think it was an abandoned farm. We went into the first and smallest of the buildings and it immediately dawned on us we were in somebody's old bedroom. There was an old metal framed bed with a ripped and soaked mattress and the similar stain was on the wall behind the bed. There was a box that we found an old yearbook in and in the back it said congrats class of 68. There was men's clothing, mainly jeans and some long underwear in the box also. There were also some records fly fishing books and a folded piece of paper that as we began reading it was a man's suicide note. We stopped reading it and we had this Goonies moment where we all looked at each other and said let's get out of here in synchronization. We saw a hole on top of the barn that we could see something that looked like bowling pins. We went inside the barn and climbed up this sketchy ladder when I got to the top I saw three dolls in white dresses with red ribbons up top. The dolls looked brand new and recently placed in the room. That was when we got out of there and I haven't gone back there since. My parents' dog loves to go back there and play and go for walks. Whenever I go home to visit I take him back there and I always make sure I am now armed. I'm 26 and I'm still creeped out about that. This was pretty strange for me. A couple years ago I went backpacking on an island that you had to take a ferry to. It was late in the season, so the ferry only came once a week. Because of this, you had to carry a lot of stuff in. On the the way there, I noticed a guy in a business suit in his mid-twenties on the ferry. He sounded British. When we arrived at the island, I noticed that he only had a very small backpack, not big enough for a tent sleeping bag, any real amount of food, or anything. It was about the size of a kid's school bag and it looked like it wasn't full all the way. I was mildly concerned that he didn't know he was going to be staying there all week. There were no workers, services, or places to stay on the island. He hurried away in a different direction than us. Throughout the week, my group and I noticed strange things along the paths. Small sticks were laid out in different shapes or words. Berries were crushed and smeared on small rocks laid in small lines. Three stones stacked on top of each other on a log. We ended up passing by him once on a trail about three days in. He didn't look tired or dirty or anything. Right after we passed him we found a message on a rock scratched on saying, Thank you. This was weirding me out especially hard because I finished watching Lost for the first time the week earlier. The end of the week came and we were waiting for the ferry. I was looking around for this guy. He showed up just a few minutes before it arrived. He looked the same from the first day. We all boarded and he was going to get on last. Right when he was about to step up, a ferry worker got off of the ferry and told him he needed to stay back with him. They then walked down the dock and talked. We couldn't hear anything, but the suit guy didn't look upset. Then the ferry worker waved us off and we left without them. This was supposed to be the last ferry of the year. The summer between my freshman and sophomore years of college, my brother, two other friends and I all took a three-day. 42-mile float down the lower Buffalo River in the Buffalo National Forest, R. Once you get past the rush entry area, there is pretty much nothing for another 28-ish miles. No cell service, no civilization, nothing. Which is, of course, usually why I like going out into the bush. Then again, I usually meticulously plan all details and supplies for any trip this trip was no different. I had all food, supplies, amount of miles per day, tentative, all figured out. The one piece of gear I didn't think about, however, was any kind of self-defense. If you've ever encountered a mountain lion, poke it in the eye doesn't work too well, I assume. All we had for any type of defense was small, about 3-inch bladed pocket knives that wouldn't do anything to any attacking wildlife but piss it off. The third and final night of the float was glorious. We camped across from the Elephant Head Rock. It was the perfect spot. We had a nice, level rock beach on which to make our campfire and cook our food and hang out till bedtime. Also, up from the water about 20 yards, we had a soft sand bar on which to pitch our tent for added comfort while sleeping. After everything was set up, we feasted. We had overplanned our meals, especially since the first day we were running off of adrenaline and didn't stop to eat lunch, horrible idea, so, we thought screw it. Let's eat everything. We cooked everything we had left and left not a single morsel unconsumed. We burned all of our trash, also not a good idea and then spent the last of our I'm lazy and don't feel like gathering tinder light or fluid creating giant fire tornadoes in the night, great idea. Then, we headed to bed. So, there we were. Four exhausted, food coma twenty-something slowly drifting off to our last night of rest in the beautiful forest. Suddenly, we heard a horrid, blood-curdling banshee wail off to our left about 75 yards only one animal i know of makes that sound and there wasn't a single unclenched butthole in the tent we started reassuring ourselves saying things like um that's a weird sounding bird right guys as we cuddled our tiny useless pocket knives next we heard another whale answer the first about 25 yards off to our right Finally we heard a third call across the river and then a splooshous something, and by something I mean giant doom cat with death claws, swam across toward our camp. We unassuredly reminded ourselves that at that time, summer 2007, according to the Game and Fish Commission of Arkansas, there were no mountain lions in the state of Arkansas. Which means, we don't want to go through the bureaucracy of changing our laws-slash-statutes to make the necessary adjustments to acknowledge the mountain lions that everyone so obviously knows are already here. Armed with that knowledge, we reluctantly drifted off into much-needed sleep. If not for the previous two days of high-activity canoeing and a smorgasbord of a camp meal, no one would have slept that night. The next morning, as we were breaking camp, we noticed tracks all around our campfire ashes from the lions snooping and trying to find any morsels that we had burned away. We finally admitted to one another, once we were down river and waiting on our ride to pick us up, that there were totally mountain lions prowling around our campsite, we could have died, and we are all idiots for not bringing any of the many rifles our family owned. For God's sake, when going into the bush, take a weapon. I was out with a group camping in the mountains of New Mexico. Me and my brother went to fill these two water containers down by a stream about a five-minute walk from our site. It was about six. The stream was only wide enough for us to fill one jug at a time. My brother had filled his first. Our group wanted water as soon as possible to start cooking dinner. My brother went to return his jug and left me filling mine. The sun had started setting when I heard the brush rustling. I figured it was just a chipmunk, as we had been seeing them all week. The rustling persisted, and I heard a low growl. I realized that we were in mountain lion country, and they hunted at dawn and dusk. It had just gotten dark. I sealed my jug that was only three-quarters full, and noticed a furry paw stick out from underneath the tree line. I walked away extremely briskly back to the site. I know mountain lions stalk their prey before attacking, and do so to seemingly weak prey when they are either weakest or aware of the lion. I did not run as to not alarm my stalker, but was carrying a gallon and a half of water so I was walking a little awkwardly. I was only about 15 at the time, but I made it back to site without any surprises on the way back. When I was like nine, we brought our dogs along for their first camping trip. Well, they were all tethered down and it was early morning. My mom comes to me and my sister and points to the nearby stream. Crossing the stream was a mother moose and its calf. It's all quiet until the three dogs see the moose and go ballistic. The moose stomps into the campsite, smashing stuff and going after the dogs. My sister and I ran into the woods and hid until the commotion was over. Everything was fine, including the dogs, except for a picnic table and a new bullet hole in the side of a tree that my dad fired that scared the moose and the calf off. I've never had good camping trips, most of them were disasters. In Boy Scouts we were out camping at a fairly well-used campsite. We were up way past the leaders, so probably a bit past midnight. It all starts when we see this bright white light at the top of a nearby mountain. That light slowly starts making its way down the mountainside, directly towards us. At first we think it's a mountain biker, but then it keeps coming straight at us where there's no trail. Then the light speeds up, way faster than any human can travel. Now the light is at the base of the mountain and coming straight at us only a few hundred yards away. At this point we're freaked out, and jump into our tents, zip the door closed, and dive into our sleeping bags. Seconds later a huge flash of light erupts in the middle of our campsite, and then it's gone. After we stopped screaming and cowering we went back outside. And there was no evidence of the light source anywhere to be found to this day i have no idea what it was i got permits with two friends to camp in a summer campground off season which meant that none of the facilities were open and the place was abandoned It's on a backpacking route so they have a permit system for through hikers but was technically a car camping place. We set up our tent and one of my friends runs off to pee. She encounters a guy wandering around who seems really excited to find out he's not the only one on the campground. He has no permit and just drove through looking for a place to stay. He chats with her for a bit and invites her to have dinner because he has some extra eggs then she notices he has a gigantic knife. She realizes she's having a conversation in a deserted campground with a knife wielding dude and quickly goes back to our campsite. She tells us about this guy and we are a little freaked out. Then, my other friend and I are walking around and we run into this guy, still with a giant knife half the length of his arm. He seems very surprised to see us, and then says, I ran into someone earlier but I thought she was alone. How many of you are there? A dude with a giant knife wants to know how many of us are there and seems upset and surprised that our friend isn't alone. Maybe he was just mad that he didn't have enough eggs for all of us but we didn't stick around long enough to find out. Camping for the first time at Caddo Lake in Northeast Texas. We got there around noon to set up camp. It's beautiful, tall, thick pines, cypress trees. Really nice and quiet and still too quiet. So we make camp, my wife and I, and start our little walk around the park. Just to scope it out. It is deathly quiet in this place. We went up a nature trail. It was odd because there were so many down trees in the path in various stages of being cleared. Which was cool and all, but for me, the wall started caving in. I started having a panic attack in the middle of the trail. So still there. So quiet. I was lucky my wife has her ways to calm me down. LOL. On the back to camp, we swing by some pond, I don't remember the name offhand, but I swear to Christ it's the same pond from it when they see Georgie's dead father rise out of the muck. Makes cringe just thinking about it. We get back to camp. Make what fire we can from our wet ass wood. Eat and get ready to turn in. By now it drizzling and getting cold. All of a sudden, all at once, the damn wildlife decides to show up all of them all at once. And then the trees started falling. I kid you not, one after another. Seemed like every 40 minutes, we would hear a giant pine tree break and start falling until it hit the soggy ground. I never made it to sleep. Constantly in fear of being crushed by a 40-ton tree that hates us for no reason. Probably not the ghost story you wanted to hear, but between the very odd lack of movement in the daytime, and the utter outburst of impending danger at night. Caddo Lake is creepy as hell to me and it still is. Never again. That whole region of Texas is now known as the thickness to us.